0: Welcome to Croxley Green Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Henry V. I've been off this week and I hadn't looked at the orders of service. I didn't know Alan was doing that, but I feel really ready for this morning now. Henry V uh, and that particular movie was probably the movie that got me into uh, Shakespeare um, in a big way. Um, It got me really excited um, about studying A-level literature Uh, which I needed because it was not my first choice because I'd already dropped out of some A-levels and I was kind of needing to bulk up uh, what I was doing and all this kind of stuff. So I wasn't exactly enthusiastic about doing English Lit, but watching and then reading uh, that particular uh, film uh, really got me going and uh, really excited. Uh, And now all I can hear in my head is Kenneth Bannon saying, once more onto the breach, dear friends, once more, but we won't go there today. Because that is a bit aggressive. Um, Anyway, today um, we're looking at spiritual resilience and uh, we're looking at the baptism of Jesus. But before I talk about that, um, I wanted to share something that happened to me recently uh, to do with the running that I do. And uh, there's this saying uh, that we have as runners, and I loosely group myself, put myself in that group. I'm not exactly a a proper runner, Um, uh, I don't belong to a club. I don't go out that often, uh, but, you know, I get to call myself that occasionally. But there is this saying amongst runners uh, that says that every run, um, every run is another one in the bank. In other words, when you're training for a big race like a marathon, every run that you do matters. Every single mile that you run will help you when it comes to the big day. It doesn't matter whether you've done lots of big runs or lots of small runs, every single run will help you, whether that's physically, because you're going to be stronger, or mentally, because you have been out running on the road. Now, as many of you know, I on and off go out running, uh, and this April I'll be running again um, for my 10th London Marathon for Charity, which I'm quite chuffed with, I will uh, acknowledge that here. Um... And I I started training for that probably a little bit later than I should have done, and the first four weeks were actually quite hard, Uh, and I was feeling somewhat deflated and lacking in confidence. I was like, it shouldn't be this difficult. Why am I struggling so much? But then the other day, I decided um, it was on my plan. I said, right, I'm going to go out, and and I'm going to run about 15 kilometers. It's about nine miles, which... Obviously, it's nowhere near a marathon distance. That's 42 kilometers or 26.2 miles. But, you know, got to start somewhere. I set out with my mind to run this nine miles. And I was hoping to run it in about an hour and 45 minutes. That was what I was kind of based, uh, was feeling I was able to do. Um, And it's what my pace had been like um, up until that point. So I thought, you know, an hour and 45 minutes, that's a, a comfortable time. That's a good time. You know, I'll be happy with that. But, and basically, I ran around Croxley. Um, if you run round at Croxley, if you sort of start on Baldwin's Lane, go up to the green, then down Watford Road and back round again with a couple of little wiggles along the way, uh, it's about five kilometres per lap. So you can do three laps of Croxley. gives you 15 kilometres. really quite easy to do. Um, so I go off and do this run, and I met someone. We, we planned to meet on the route, and uh, we were just chatting as we ran. Uh, uh, going round and round, Croxley Green. And what really surprised me when I finished was that uh, I'd hoped to do it in an hour and 45 minutes, but when I stopped my watch, it was an hour and a half. A full 15 minutes quicker than I had hoped. Um, now, um, I probably was going a bit quick, and the, the, the lady I was running with was just chatting away as if it was like a, a walk in the park. But you know, I kept going. I wasn't going to give up. Um, but the reason I believe that actually I was able to keep up and keep going at a pace that maybe was slightly out of my comfort zone uh, was the miles that I had actually banked over the last four weeks. Although they had been tough, they had prepared me, they'd given me the strength and the resilience to, um, for me, race round Croxy Green um, and uh, achieve something that has given me a real lift in my training. Uh, I'll probably go out tomorrow and feel really rubbish about it, but that's how running goes. But resilience is a key in life, and we all need it at different times, whether it's physical, like I do when, when running a long race, whether it's emotional or mental or even spiritual. We all need resilience. It's what keeps us going when we don't want to keep going. It's what helps us through the tough times. And our focus this morning is exploring the role that baptism has in our spiritual resilience. Uh, and hopefully we're going to pick out from example from, from this example we've had where Jesus gets baptised, and we're going to see three things, hopefully, um, about spiritual resilience. Um, and uh, I've, I've cheated a little bit with these. Uh, I have three points that I want to do. There's one which is adoption, one which is love, and it's rather appropriate we had Henry V, because it's old English words. We hardly ever use this word, but to Lord. Uh, praise, to Lord praise on someone or something. It, I had to look it up and Google it to get that to fit, because I wanted all, and I couldn't work out a word to do it, so I did cheat a little bit. But adoption, love, and Lord, or to praise, uh, are the three things that I want us to, to, to look, about, look at uh, this morning. But before we do that, uh, another little story I, I, I read the other day. Um, there was this small church uh, in the middle of the countryside, that was, uh, had decided that it was going to have uh, a baptismal service in January, following a week-long uh, event that they had been running, a revival event. This particular church believed in the immersion of believers, in full immersion of believers, but they didn't have the facilities in their church uh, to do so. So they decided uh, to have the baptism service in the river. Uh, it was a cold January day. Now I uh, had the opportunity many years ago to go to Portugal uh, in the height of the summer uh, on a little mission trip with my previous church uh, to meet up with some young people out there Uh, and while we were on that trip we went down to this river a few times uh, to uh, just go out and swim and have some fun Um, and I don't know whether it was the extreme heat or the temperature difference or the flow of the water or whether the water was coming down from the mountain but this water was cold. In the height of summer it felt a bit chilly when you kind of got in it and equally when you came out of it you felt a little bit nippy until the heat hit you um so you know we actually witnessed some baptisms there and i felt sorry for them because it was a brethren church and their prayers go on okay and no offense to the brethrens but they like praying they're good at praying they are really good at praying and this poor person who got baptized when in the, what i saw was they got baptized and you could see them literally shaking from the, the cold water that was on them uh, for a few minutes while they were being prayed for. But a cold river in January must have been uh, really cold. So the time came for the pastor uh, of this church to start baptising those that wanted to, and they, they came down, and uh, one by one they were baptised. And the pastor asked one of those who was being baptised if the water was cold. Yeah, it's a fair question to ask. Uh, he replied very boldly, no one of the elders who was standing on the relative warmth of the riverbank said, dip him again, pastor, he's obviously lying. Um, Now, just to say, if if you ever consider being baptised here, um, I can assure you that our baptismal pool has never been cold. In fact, on a few occasions, it's been a bit warm. (laughs) Uh, I have been known to add some cold water on the day, uh, and in fact, sometimes, you know, you know, In fact, as a runner, you quite like this, a really hot bath uh, after a long run. Sometimes it's been like having one of those really hot baths where you've literally drained your entire hot water tank into the bath. Occasionally, it's been like that here. Um, We're getting better at getting it right, but uh, that's just if you want to get baptised. These are the things, though, that I want us to explore this morning. Not whether the water's warm or cold, but what matters is what happens in baptism, And I believe there are these three things that we can look at and learn uh, from uh, in the words of Jesus and in this example from Jesus here today. Jesus comes to John out in the wilderness. And by all accounts, lots of people are already out there seeing this revival, this renewal that John is preaching, this preparation that he's doing. I am sure that many of those that were there were genuinely seeking God. They wanted to find God, and they went out to this prophet, to this man called John, because what he promised to give them was what they yearned for. But there would have also been those who were curious, who, you know, were, well, I'm going to have a little look, but, you know, I'm not sure. Then there would have been others, perhaps, who were dragged along, um, kicking and screaming almost. They didn't want to be there, but they had no other choice, and so they came and were watching. And then, of course, there might have been those who were hostile uh, to what John was doing. This means that as, jo- as Jesus approached John, there would have been a crowd. There would have been a group of people who would have noticed and seen what was going on. And that would have got people talking. Maybe that is why this part happened, because this is the start of Jesus's ministry. This is the moment where he goes from being just a carpenter's son to something greater. And our reading, uh, we can see that it has completely taken John by surprise too. John didn't consider himself worthy enough to baptize Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He wasn't just some carpenter's son. He wasn't just uh, a man. Jesus was the son of God. And John knew that in his heart. And he knew that this was not really the way it should go. But despite his protests, Jesus pushes him and says, Look, we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus knew that this moment was really important. He went down to the river for a reason. And I don't think that reason was so much for himself, although I'm sure it didn't hinder what happened for him either. But I. I personally kind of get the feeling that Jesus could have skipped this part um, of the the gospel narrative and still been okay to complete the work uh, set for him by God because after all he is you know god's son and you know he can pretty much do uh, almost anything um, but he sees this as being important he sees this as being a significant moment that he went out of his way out into the desert and humbled himself in front of John and I think the main reason that Jesus went to be baptised, and I'm sure you, you, you've come across this before, is he went to be baptised for us more than he went to be baptised for himself. To set an example, to show us what he was willing to do, and that if we choose to follow him, that we needed to do the same. If it was good enough for Jesus, then I am pretty sure uh, it's good enough for us. You see, Jesus was both fully divine and fully human, and that meant he experienced what we go through. He walked a path that we could walk. It would be pretty pointless for Jesus uh, to say to his disciples, follow me, and then expect them to do things that were just simply impossible for them to do, or for him to say, follow me, and then not do things, and say, well, you've got to do that, but I don't have to. We wouldn't exactly be following Jesus if he said, oh, well, you do this, but I'm not going to do that. Jesus did that because he wanted us to see that this was important. Jesus went through the waters of baptism because we need to go through the waters of baptism as well. Jesus went through that process of repentance, not because he needed to, but because we need to go through the process of repentance as well. And Jesus went through submitting to God because we all need to submit to God from time to time. You get the idea. But what's this got to do with spiritual resilience? Well, I think um, baptism is one way we unlock that spiritual resilience in our lives. Because it unlocks something and makes it real for us. The divine truths about our relationship with God. I know personally that when I went to university, uh, I had always gone to church and uh, went to university and kind of fell into leading the Christian Union there, but I didn't feel particularly confident. I didn't feel that I was the right person to be leading the Christian Union. There wasn't really many other people who could, but I didn't feel it was me. And while I was at university, I was really prompted that I needed to get baptized. I hadn't done it yet for lots of different reasons. Uh, And when I spent a year back home, I decided that was the moment to do it. I got baptised at home, my home church. uh, And that gave me the strength for what came in the following year uh, to lead the Christian Union in actually what was quite a difficult time. Uh, You can ask me about that later. Um, But baptism unlocks something, I believe in us, that gives us the strength to keep going. So, What are we looking at here? Well, when Jesus comes out of the water, God says three things to him. He says, this is my son, whom I love, I am well pleased, with him I am well pleased. Those are the three words that are accredited to God at this point. Obviously, in our reading, the statement, this is my son, uh, this you know is God's son. Jesus is already God's son. So in a sense, there is no adoption happening here because Jesus is already part of God's family. There's no fostering, there's no uh, drawing Jesus into the family of God because he is already one with the Trinity. We believe that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit are in a perfect relationship. But when we follow that example of Jesus, when we go down into the waters of baptisms, when we allow ourselves to be washed by the water and by the Spirit then we are adopted into God's family. It's that simple. The act of going through the waters of baptism unlocks something in us that enables us to be part of God's family. Probably one of the most basic human needs is to belong, to be a part of something, a family, a community, a team, a club, something that connects us with others and that gives us a real sense of belonging. There is nothing in this entire universe more special than discovering you are part of God's family. That God, the God who created and who sustains all things, considers each one of you part of his family when you say yes to him. When you belong to something, you have the strength to cope, to keep going and face almost anything. That run I did uh, the other week when I ran with someone else, I was part of an albeit very small community. There was only two of us. But because I was part of something, I was able to keep going, even though it was hard work. I'm sure all of you have had situations in life where the support of friends and family Have helped you to keep going, has given you the resilience to keep going. When we belong to the family of God through the adoption that comes in baptism, we have the spiritual resilience to keep going in times of difficulty. But it's not just about being adopted, there's more to it than that because, as God said to Jesus, He says, I love this person. This son who has done what I have said, I love them. You know that feeling you get when you are really loved? When someone expresses how much you really mean to them, how special you are. Whether it's a, a parent, a sibling, a lover, a friend. When someone tells you that you are loved, it does something inside of us that we can't really describe it or put it into into words but it does something but uh, at about midnight last night my son woke up having a bad dream and uh, after i tucked him back into bed he whispered in my ear daddy i love you and it was so cute and it made despite the fact that i was feeling really tired and didn't want to be awake and i was a bit grumpy the fact that he said i love you melted my heart When someone says that you are loved, it melts our heart. Of course, the opposite can happen too. When we convey to someone that they are not loved, when they are unlovable by our words or by our actions, then that has a massive impact on that person too. And we hear too often in the news of people who have not been shown love and kindness and whom it damages But to know that you are loved, truly loved by God, again gives us that resilience to keep going and to face the broken world around us. I'm sure many of you know this, but parenting is not always easy. Um, There are good days and there are bad days. But when you have those little moments where someone says they love you, it's what gets you through the harder times, the sleep-deprived bits, which we're nearly through, I would say it helps so in this act of baptism when Jesus went into the water we first see this affirmation that Jesus is part of God's family which can happen to us, we have this sense in which God really deep down loves this person we get that too when we are baptised, that gives us that spiritual resilience to keep going and then the third one we have is the one that I cheated on Uh, to Lord praise. Um, And yeah, I know, it's not really a word we use, and it doesn't quite fit, but it's to get that sense in your head. Adoption, love, and Lord. I've never really been on stage in a performance uh, before. Um, I did a few school plays, um, uh, to be honest. I didn't get many speaking parts in those days. In fact, the only one I can really remember, um, and I can't remember what the play was, it definitely wasn't Henry V, I'd have remembered that. Um, but uh, the only one I really remember was um, I was a guard uh, in a, a play, a school play. It was at my primary school. Um, I had no speaking parts at all, uh, and all I had to do was guard the king who sat on a chair for the entire play. Uh, uh, you know, So we were on stage, the whole play, You know, starring role, you're on stage for the entire duration of a school play. Uh, you didn't move off the stage once. Um, now, the reason I remember it uh, it's not because I had a speaking partner, I think, but because the set behind me decided that it wanted to fall down, uh, and I basically had to stand and hold it for the duration of the school play. Um, but you know, I, I imagine that there will be a real buzz, uh, or an amazing feeling, uh, at the end of a performance uh, when they get that round of applause. Uh, Or whenever I go to a play or a a concert or an event and you hear people clapping and they come out for an encore and you clap again and they bow and all that kind of stuff, it must give them a bit of a buzz. After all the hard work that the performers have put in, all of the effort they've put in, it must make a difference. When those who are watching and listening heap praise onto you or to laud you for your performance or your efforts, it does something to you. You see it in sport often when uh, a team does really well uh, and they go round, and the, the fans stay there and they clap them to the end and then uh, the, fan, the, the, the team goes round and cl- thanks their fans and there's this kind of sense of camaraderie uh, and togetherness. Now, they don't know each other, they don't know the fans, uh, but they get that sense that they do because there is that heaping of praise, that well done. You've done well today, whether it's kicking a football, throwing a rugby ball, or performing in some play or music experience. Maybe you've had that experience where you have been on stage and you've had that applause, that praise poured upon you. Or maybe at work or socially uh, or at school, uh, you were recognized for something that you achieved, that something you had done really well at. My daughter, when she comes home, Uh, at the moment from school when she gets a sticker um, she is so happy and it can be a sticker for the silliest of things it really can like sitting on the spot um, well for a few minutes which actually my daughter is quite an achievement Um, but when she gets praised for doing something like that as simple as a sticker she really feels good about herself but when we follow Jesus and we are baptized like him, we receive God's praise. Jesus went into the water as God wanted him to do. And God knew already what he was about to go and do. God speaks to him and says, with him, I am well pleased. God is really chuffed with Jesus. He is over the moon excited with what Jesus is going to do and has done. He knows how brilliant Jesus is. And when we follow him, God heaps praise on us too. There's a phrase that you often hear in churches, well done, good and faithful servant. We'd all love to hear that, wouldn't we? At some point from God, well done, good and faithful servant. But as I was looking at this passage, I was like, well, servant is, is good. Actually, we get adopted into God's family. We're not servants. We're children of God. So I prefer, well done, good and faithful child. Because when we follow Jesus, God heaps his praise on us because we are staying true to him. So to wrap it up then, When we follow Christ, when we walk the way of Christ, and when we pass through the waters of baptism, we are opening up for ourselves a spiritual resilience that cannot be matched. Jesus went straight from this into the temptation in the desert. For 40 days, he had no food, and then the devil came and tested him. And when we, like Jesus, are baptized by water and by spirit, we receive it all. We receive everything that God has for us. We receive God's adoption of us. We receive God's love for us. And we receive God's Lord of praise on us. And that is our spiritual armor. That is what will help us to stand the test, to fight the good fight. And only God can provide it. If you want to talk about this, if you want to uh, discuss the idea of baptism, then Lisa and myself are available. Uh, We'd love to chat to you. If you just want to talk about it, if you need prayer, again, Lisa and I will happily sit and pray with you. We all need resilience. None of us can do this on our own. But through the waters of baptism, we receive the spiritual resilience that will keep us going in that journey of faith that we are all on. Let's just say a little prayer to finish. Lord God, hold these things in our minds. Help us to recognize that when we are baptized, we receive all that you promise. And Lord, I pray this morning that if you are challenging us in some way, we would know how to respond.